Well, here we are on a lovely summer's day, but it's not summer anymore. It's still summer? No, no. We flipped over into autumn at the beginning of, of March. Oh, of course. And we're now at the end of March. Yeah, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? I've mm. just got to put you on notice. I've only got 25 minutes for a chat today. Oh. Should we? Well, we could just do it for 25 minutes then. Yeah, let's just have a 25 minutes. Because when I sat down here, I had no idea what we are going to be talking about. No, no, I don't. However, it is the 31st of March. It is a lovely, lovely day, which means that it's Care Experience History Month starting tomorrow. Oh, that's true. So that's, that's true. So that's so your that's, big thing. So that's my big thing for this yep. month. So every day what I'm doing on social media is posting a story about somebody who's had... Oh, where can people access that then? On social media? You just said on that, Facebook. but whereabouts on social media? <laughs> Social media is pretty expansive. It's a little thing called the internet. Yes. I'm you not know? on Instagram, but we are on Facebook and on Twitter. So on Facebook, Care Experience History Month should find us. C-H- it's CHFM, isn't it? Isn't that I think the one? C-E-H-M-A-U. Ah, so and you need the to AU be. AU being Australia, because this is a worldwide, um, or an international, I should say, an international month. So right. we've got various groups around the world, in the US, the UK, in New Zealand. So the AU is for Australia. All right. So, <coughs> so next month, next tomorrow, starting tomorrow, it kicks off. Is that it what you're saying? Off. It wow, this is yeah, exciting, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Can you just sense my excitement? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's really fantastic. And uh, during during March. I did run a few things on social media because I am aware that care, the whole idea of that care experience is fairly new to Australians. So I ran just a few stories and everything to kind of build a bit That's of... That's an interesting point, though. Yeah. Why is care experience new to Australians? Because it's not like people haven't been in care for no, years. No, no, no. So. We tend not to use that language. You, we use different language, like care leavers or forgotten Australians or stolen gen or former child migrants and then there are people who belong to clan care leavers Australia network who might identify as clannies or oh. some chil- some people have identified as um, you know former home kids there's a whole range of possibilities. Orphans, orphans foster kids yeah all yeah. those sort of terminologies also could be used could they not yeah absolutely Gom kid, do you remember Gom kid? Oh, I still no, no. God. Kids refer to themselves as Gom kids now. Yes. Truly. Yes. Oh my god. So do you remember a story? <laughs> Probably put this put me off this woman forever. Now, I was meeting a friend at the Botanic Gardens, and she had just come back. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yes. She just flashed into my mind. No names to be mentioned. No, because I can't remember her name, but I do visualise her. It's yes. frightening. Yeah. <laughs> She's a good woman. She was a really good woman, but she just moved down south to take up a permanent teaching position. And in contrast to where she'd been previously, she felt that there wasn't as much support in the classroom. I think she was a primary school teacher and there was a lot of acting out behaviour or behaviour or whatever. So she couldn't concentrate much on content because she was dealing with all mm. this mm-hmm. all this behaviour and there wasn't much in the way of student of teacher support or whatever. Anyway, I met her in the park and asked her how it was going and she said to me, and she described that to me and she said, and D, it's the GOM kids. And then oh, she remembered right. that I'd been in foster care 
and had Gom Kid been around when I was around, yep. I would have been called a Gom Kid. I don't know what people called me, quite frankly. <laughs> I can think <laughs> of a few appropriate <laughs> words. The strange kid, probably. Peculiar, different. Yeah, that's right, the widow one. Anyway, so the Gom Kid, and then she apologised, and she did apologise when she realised, but I then came to realise afterwards how these so-called GOM kids, guardian of the minister kids, mm. so they were in the custody of the state, um, were stigmatised. And if there was any trouble in a classroom, you know, these GOM kids would be blamed whether it was their fault or not. Yeah, and I wonder where that still happens. I was speaking to a friend of uh, our daughter's, youngest daughter, last a week or so ago, um, about, and I was talking to her friend, who is a teacher, and clearly identified who the gom kids were. Oh my gosh. You know, because she, because they're, well, they just knew who they were. I'm not going to suggest they were the naughty kids. <coughs> Pardon me. The naughty kids or anything like that. But they certainly knew that they were the, the gom kids. I mean, why couldn't they just appear like any other kid? You know, you don't say, well, that's, 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 the par that's the kids with biological parents. That's the kids with gay parents. That's the kids. Like, do we identify these kids in school based on who they live with? That's a foster kid because that. It's Maybe an, we it's, do. It's an Maybe. interesting. It's an interesting point. It's. A, I mean, in the era that I that I was growing up in, the normal kids were the nuclear family kids. That was the expectation. That was that was the norm. That norm's shifted quite a lot now. So we have included single parent families a little bit more fondly, but they're still still. Oh, when I was growing up, the different kids were the. The British migrant kids. Oh. <laughs> they, were the, they were the different kids. All right. Or, um, well, I guess Greeks and Italians because they were sort of all new immigrants at that time. I am talking about the 1920s, so. You know, <laughs> the 1800s. The 1800s. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, there's always been that sort of stigmatization around kids in school for some particular. Because, you know, different. like they're different, whatever. But, but, I mean, GOM kids would not be all that much different to looking whatever than I guess Caucasian kids in school. So to identify them specifically as guardianship kids, maybe that's because that does come with the stigmatisation associated with them being in care. It's interesting, you know, because what one thing that came strongly to me then was, and, and probably prompted by a story I was looking at yesterday, was the idea that I always had to get forms signed. And it said parent or guardian. And, of course, mine was always guardian. Um, but did your parent have to sign them or did someone else sign them? No, no, no. That was okay for my foster mum to sign those, even All though right. I was often scared to ask her. So sometimes I just left the form on the bench and hoped she'd notice it in time. So clearly she didn't, yeah, clearly she didn't respond too, too well to that sort of thing. So that comes strongly to mind. And I did that. I noticed that, that I had guardian, everybody else had parent yeah um i don't feel picked on at, at school for being a foster kid at all actually I did they know don't recall that do you think kids yeah. other kids knew did, did your friends know? know i don't know the principal knew because one day i got summoned to the principal's office escorted by my teacher and walked in and he said she looks all right something like that she looks all right she looks all right she looks well treated or something there'd been some inci incident of stealing and they were just sort of following oh that yeah yeah um but um anyway that's all i'll say on that i never felt picked on by the other kids i was um i probably had it you know 
bit of a smart-ass attitude anyway. Really? <laughs> Deirdre. <laughs> I find that hard oh, to imagine. It, was, no, it wasn't an issue <laughs> in primary school. And it wasn't an issue in high school. <laughs> Maybe they but, wouldn't dare to pick on you. But I wanted to tell you the story about, I think his name is Josh Burns. He was a footballer for the West o- Western Bulldogs for a while. Mm-hmm. He's in his 30s. He tells the story of being in foster care at, a, I think, about 16 months old. Feels very grateful for his foster family because he only had the one foster family. Wasn't moved around the place. Um, but what happened for him as a kid was he, his foster parents couldn't sign forms. Somebody from the state agency had to sign forms and therefore he often missed out on going to camps and things like that. So they must be a bit stricter about that sort of thing than when I was a kid. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. The only thing I could think of is changing workers, maybe, losing track of kids, which sometimes they tend to do. But he'd been in the one place. Yeah, even then. Yeah, yeah. Why would you? Why would you why pay any attention? But why would you pay any attention to a kid that was in one place? Oh, you're not seeing them regularly because there aren't any issues. So you know, maybe it is a bit different today. Even though that wouldn't have been been all that long ago for him, given he's only what, no, 35. he's only in his 30s. Yeah, and he talked about when he was um, 18, he decided to go and get himself adopted because his birth father never gave approval f- for him to be adopted. All right, but he wanted. To be adopted oh, I should live in South Australia now. That would have made a difference. Oh. You don't need that approval anymore. Bug of the, the parents. Of the parents. The parents. Oh, my goodness. No. So we're going back to stealing kids, aren't we? We are. Right. It was an interesting thing that had happened to me today. I was looking through uh, some article that was written in, where was the advertiser? It might have been the advertiser anyway, on uh, this adoption thing. Um, and the legislation and people are objecting to it. The... Um, Commissioner for Children, you know, Helen Connolly, she objected that kids don't, didn't object very strongly, I hasten to add, so I don't know whether, I don't really think she's a great voice for kids. Um, but Penny, Penny, Penny Wright, to her credit, she objected to the kids don't seem to have a voice, they don't seem to be able to make their decisions, you know, and then they... Re- can't they be overridden anyway? Well, it's always in, in this it's always in... Their okay, best so, interest, yeah. Yeah, best interest of the child, well, what in the friggin' hell has changed around that? Um, but the interesting thing was there was an advertisement on the page, on the web page. There was an advertisement with all these kids. So it was for an organisation that clearly uh, arranges foster children, right? And it was just these a group of four kids, I guess, talking about the wonderful experiences they had being adopted. Of course. You've got to so, for that. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was interesting that in this thing where they were criticising the adoption legislation, I had this ad placed that was saying that adoption is a good thing. These kids were all talking about it. And for some kids, it is okay. Well, it clearly was in this guy's instance. That's what he wanted. That's what he set out to do when he was 18. And I've, I've told you, but not anybody else... About well, you are now. But I, <laughs> I might have written about it, um, of virtually adopting myself into my foster family. Oh, yeah. yeah yes, yeah. because they weren't able to adopt me, and they w- I'm a bit confused about why. Um, certainly my birth father had signed adoption papers because I found that out much later 
I think my foster mum said they were too old or something. Anyway, they didn't adopt us. I would have liked to have been adopted. I adopted myself into their family after I'd left the family. And well, you, need by to, taking, you need to explain that By issue. taking my foster father's surname. So I rejected my birth family surname. I took my foster father's surname when after he died. <coughs> and so that's well, kind I guess of he, the effect. Well, I guess he didn't need it anymore, did he? <laughs> and I needed to change. <laughs> so I do remember having some sort of hatred almost for my birth family name. So there was something wrong Why? about that association. I'm not really clear. Um, but but when I reflected on it, I don't think it would have changed anything in that family anyway. You know, I was always on the outer and I don't, don't think being adopted would have changed that dynamic. If you know what I mean. Well, it wouldn't have made any difference ostensibly for you. No, I don't think it would have. But it, but it goes to my point about that's what I wanted. And as a, I would have been nineteen or something. But could you have wanted it because somehow you might have been more, ex you might have been accepted more by <coughs> the foster family. Possibly. That there was a sense well, that I didn't that belong. Well, about being different. Remember the different surnames, the different having things signed by a guardian, that sort of. That's different involved. surnames. We've got five kids, all with different surnames. Yeah, What's well, this? clearly I've got over that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you about something you posted because there was a story about children being hurt or abused or something in residential care. Yeah. I was wondering if you could just fill me in on that story because I just saw headlines. Um, that was a few days ago, though. What was it? Um, and I can't honestly remember what the article that I was reading was on. Um, oh, no, it was a report put out by, it came out of the Riley report or whatever it was that they did in relation to um, the, women, the young girls becoming pregnant and the minister not knowing. So this is South Australia. South Australia, yeah. So it came out of that where there was... Um, Certainly some accusations made that uh, the kids were not cared for appropriately in, um, residential, in care. residential care. And uh, I guess I was reflecting on a number of kids I know of through their parents um, who, who have really terrible experiences in that care. And I particularly remember a video that the parents sent me from one of the kids about the kids being yelled at, pulled by the scruff of the neck, thrown into their rooms... The fact that some of those kids um, <coughs> have other kids in there that, and there was one recent case about a, a child I know of who was sexually abused while um, in care by an older kid, so the child was nine, I think. Is that included, do you think, in that report? That I don't know. Don't know. Right? I mean, okay. they don't identify who the children no, are, so you don't know. Yeah. So, but I certainly, <coughs> I certainly know that. Uh, that they're not, look, at the end of the day, they are not healthy places for kids to be. And there's no, there's very little oversight. There needs to be an external organisation, I think, external to the department, that actually does have a Isn't look at the way. is the Guardian supposed to go visiting? Well, the Guardian's supposed to, but the Guardian only has a handful of staff. You know, I don't know how they can go and interview every child and go around. I don't think that's possible. Um, <coughs> so... And besides, I think the Guardian's a toothless tiger. I think they say some really good stuff, which I agree with, and they identify some of the problems. But Jesus Christ, nothing's ever changed in this space for you know a century. So why well, should we expect it to change now?
It ain't going to change. You know, we keep pushing and pushing and pushing, but eventually, hopefully, because there's this one, there's this thing that came out in Victoria that I posted today. I did a video post of um, <coughs> 65 children in 2019 to 20. Is that the one you're thinking of? Yeah, it was the 65 was the remote. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was, the, that was because... Um, 65 kids have died that and the majority of them were known to the department oh i see so they were known to the note that police language um so they were known to the department but the department had not taken care of those children or they hadn't removed them or provided one of the issues was that it hadn't provided appropriate services for the parents and this is a continual complaint that i hear is that um parents in some cases, a lot of cases, asking for help. Sometimes they regretfully ring the department and ask for help. I have trouble with my kid. I don't know what to do, you know. So, and the department come in and then remove the kid and place them in an even worse environment than they were in when they were with their parent. And then they never get them back. And they, yeah, they become a gom kid. Yeah, and then they, they enter, into in a, enter into a really unhelpful space of hanging around with other, other gom kids who really do have traumatic issues. So... Um, yeah, it just cat it just catalyzes into this place which is unhealthy for everybody. This happens over and over again. You know the calls for defunding the police that happened through the Black Lives Matter movement. I sometimes wonder about defunding child protection and thinking about the whole the whole you know mess. Well, I think they did that in. Uh, they actually did that. Again. They actually did that in New Zealand. Uh, and they started again. And some of the information I've got back from New Zealand is that it hasn't improved the system one iota. So the idea was that we'd just scrap whatever we got. We'll bring in a whole lot of new stuff and new stuff, and we'll start again. Um, you can't bring in a whole lot of new stuff because you've got all these other staff that do know what to do, or do know what the system is, and stuff, who are social workers that are well trained and so on. So. <coughs> you can't so defunding I think is about replacing funds so it's about it's not about taking fun, defunding isn't about taking all the funding out defunding is about, about channeling it yeah into places in which it is is needed you know one of the areas that we th we talk about in the party is um, <coughs> is certainly doing away with residential care and using part of that $350,000 per child to to work with parents so the parents can become better parents because what happens these parents you know they have a kid taken they think they miss this kid so and i know you have an issue with this they then have another child or two you know who then gets removed because the situation either hasn't changed or the department's so entrenched in this parent's old behavior that they think they haven't changed and but if you invested back if you invested fifty thousand dollars a year per family would you give the money to the family? No, you'd give it to them in services. services right. Yeah, if they needed extra for, you know, if they needed even a, I would even argue if they needed a, a decent car to, to carry the kids around in, right? Or if they needed a cleaner to come in once Regular. a week and clean yes. the house. You know what they need? A, I know of a, a client years ago, an Aboriginal woman who had a mentor come in and would show her how to clean the house and that sort of thing. And she really appreciated that. Her comment was, you know, I grew up in a family where I didn't know what a clean house even looked like. 
Well, if it's good enough for Jenny Morrison, surely it's good enough for the poorest in the no, country. I agree. I agree. I mean, everybody else is at an advantage because they don't have uh, they don't have Scott Morrison as a partner. <laughs> they're at an, at an advantage. Advantage. Yeah, they're at an advantage because <laughs> they don't have Scott Morrison as a partner. Uh, yeah. You. you Yes, anyway, she chose him, obviously. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything more on that. Yeah. It's an yeah. interesting thing, though, because you've raised a couple of points that I, I know that you and I have talked about before about ringing the department, having a child taken, for, you know, for help. Yeah. Not receiving the help, but and, and I know that's how you My got first client your first cli- that's how was you got like that. interested in all yeah. of this. But do you remember um, long before... Um, the current CE of the child protection system when we were, I think we met with the chief executive at the time, David Waterford, mm-hmm. and there was situ- another client of yours down south who had ch- two boys and they were in care, in foster care. No, the issue was that they had provided childcare for those boys but thought that they w- she was using too much of it. Oh, something like that. I vaguely remember. Was that the reason why we saw David? I don't know whether that was the reason, but what turned out was so they withdrew. They they said, no, she's using childcare too much, which clearly she needed at the time. She's using too much. That was their paternalistic judgment. So if you have a wealthy family or a middle-class family who's got their kids every every day... Every day, that's okay. But because she was a single mum... Um, that wasn't that wasn't okay. Was their judgment? So that would have been rechanneling funding. But then those two boys, we found out later, had been sexually abused in the state mm. care, mm. which was just yeah. I always refer back on that meeting with David. Remember how many people turned up? Remember yeah, we had that. As I recall. The pun. Was there a lot of people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He brought in he brought in <laughs> he managers brought all from heavy, all over. Brought in all the heavies. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Tried to look me up because I'm sure that I'd said I'd been awarded state, but I changed my name. <laughs> oh, do you think they looked up under your previous I think name? They looked. I think they did. All oh, right, they're probably yeah. thinking you were a fraud. Yeah, possibly. But I remember. Yeah, I can remember being startled. So this is the first time I had I had a client. I had a complaint. I put it into David. David, to his credit, responded by saying, "Yeah, I'd be happy to meet you." He was a. L- I liked him. Lovely, I liked him. Lovely, lovely. It's a shame. Man. Shame that. Uh, what's his name? Well, he was the premier at the time. What's his name? Um, I forget now. <coughs> yeah, but sacked him because he didn't give him the whole facts about a certain case. Well, hello. Transparency is a problem with the department, but I guess when it comes to the premier, it's a different issue. Yeah, but so whether he was scapegoated or not, who knows? Yeah, probably. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, anyway, all these people turned up. And talk about, <laughs> t- talk about thinking, I don't know whether they thought we were extremely powerful and needed to have all these heavies on duty or I just remember being so angry because they'd removed this child's, this woman's boys the boys had been sexually abused. There was no compensation. There was nothing from the department, barely an acknowledgement that that had happened. Mm. And they thought, oh, perhaps she just needs closure. And you just go, oh, my God, don't you get it? You took them from one environment and made it all so much worse for them. I was unbelievably, I didn't swear, but I was very angry. I'm sure you swore to me. <laughs> Probably, Probably on the way home in the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, it's it's absolutely appalling, and 
I had a client that just finished off on this. I had a client. So you get clients that sit on a spectrum. You know, some of them are just moderately there's moderate degrees of abuse, I guess, and then at the other end there's extreme abuse, and particularly where there's not take sexual abuse out of it, but where there's do extreme domestic violence, a lot of violence in the home, clearly the kid needs to be moved. Case I'm working on at the moment, which I wrote a report for today, <coughs> that young woman, her partner actually had died, and so my argument was there's no and the partner was the violent one, right, extremely violent, and. Uh, now that the partner had gone, my argument was there's no longer any domestic violence, you know, and this particular person was a ward of the state uh, from five till she ran away at 16. So, um, and, you know, they kind of, they asked me about the triggers, you know, what are the triggers for this woman? Well, well, guys, so this, this kid from the age of five, whatever, was rebelling against the system and thought, she told me this, that when she rebelled against the system, it was an effort to get them to let her go so she could go back to her father. So this thought for 10 years was what what um, engulfed her. And, um, and so she's just this rebellious kid. Of course, as an adult, when she's had a kid of her own removed and placed into this very system to which she was rebelling against... That must be horrifying. Oh, it is. And they asked... They ask me, what do you think my tr her triggers are? Oh, you are? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, they've tried to mitigate that, I think, by having meetings at her house and stuff. Um, but then, you know, why wonder about her resistance to get involved with you and to do the things that you're asking her to do? You know, why would... You know, I just don't get it. I just... You know, these are social workers that are supposed to have some degree of intelligence... And you wonder whether some of them got any at all. Well, I wonder how much they've read or listened to people who've been through the system. Actually, you know, if they've gone and read any of the testimonies from the big inquiries or the state inquiries, whether they've read the abundance of memoirs. and So, so in other words, I'm wondering what they've read, what their training consists of. Well, they understand. Do they listen to people who've been through no, the system? No, they don't. They don't. Well, they don't listen because they're busily telling them what they what they think they need to do. So they haven't got the time to listen to them. Well, I don't mean listen even to the current clients. I mean people who've been through the system. Yep. And there's an, let's face it, there's an abundance of them. Have they actually listened to that demographic before they've even gone out into the field? So you know how Lemon has to go off. Lemming has to go off and do some empathy training. Do you think social workers should go off and do some... Well, it should have been incorporated into their university degree, surely. Well, it isn't. Well, that's just nuts. Yeah. So that there's an opportunity for you, darling. Perhaps you could go and <laughs> give them talks about what it's like being in care or bring along some of those other people that have been in care where it's been horrific. Okay, well, we did... Definitely okay. a variety of experience because I did tell you about that one man young man who had a very positive experience and adopted himself. Oh, there are. Look, yeah. there are those people, I know, but... It does seem uh, to that's be a not bit of potluck, though. But that's not the problem. No. The p that's like saying, well, there are, there are some people that don't experience domestic violence. Does that make... There's some people that have really good relationships. Does that make, mean that those people that experience domestic... Does it mitigate against their 
their experience no, around TV? No, that's not at all what I'm saying. I'm just saying that there is a variety of stories, and it, but it does seem to be potluck whether you end up with a a good know, family, moved a, a good family, or and I've heard, you know and I have heard a few of those, or whether you get moved around the system, you know, multiple times, end up with somebody told me that they'd been in something like 14 schools or something. <laughs> you just go, oh my god. What a crazy system is that? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I was speaking to a client the other day, and he was. It wasn't a. It wasn't a child protection issue, uh, and he was telling me he was in fourteen, fifteen schools because his dad worked was uh, worked, was in the air force, and uh, so there are kids that have those experiences clearly because their parents yes, move yes, around. Yes. 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 Um, but when you're in a system which is supposed to be about stability and maintaining oh, <laughs> maintaining connections and all this other stuff, which is all in the best interest of the child, it goes out the window. It doesn't seem to be important, you know? Yes, at least for those children where they're moved around with family, at least they're with their family. So yep. that's the point yep. of consistency and stability, even if... You know, they have to... Yeah, at least at the family, they have their siblings. They have all those people still with them. But, you know, and then a lot of these kids get separated from their siblings as well throughout that process because they can't find a a, a foster family that will take two kids um, together, you know. And there are some good foster families. There's a couple of there's people I was talking about. There's this guy that moved around a lot with his family. Um, they're foster parents and they're fabulous absolutely fabulous so there are good really good foster parents doing the best that they can under a system though that doesn't pay them all that much attention which is really sad and thanks you've got to you've got to go because <laughs> Dee's got a, a zoom meeting ah don't turn that off yet okay because you've got a zoom meeting with very important people overseas i do because another this is another april project is that we're launching Care Experience and Culture, which is our digital archive of everything to do with orphans and care experience people. Wow. Enjoy. I will. Thank you, everyone, for joining us again for Conversations Over Coffee. We hope you enjoyed and we look forward to catching up with you next time we have one of our wonderful and illuminating conversations. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Look after yourselves and be safe.